0: You're listening to the Avoid the Trap Podcast, a show dedicated to helping bettors exploit the betting markets using unconventional strategies and tactics. Turn up the volume and listen closely. The show starts now. Guys, welcome back to the Avoid the Trap Podcast. I'm the host, Micah Smith, and today we have Aunt DeRosa and David Miller here back with us. So we will start with talking about top-to-bottom betting methods, kind of how it works, what's the edge there, why some people do it, and some people even disagree with it. We'll start there, and then we'll go through the other topics that we have of middling and attacking the smaller markets and live betting strategies. Let's start with the top-to-bottom betting method. And if you want to start and give us what you think about top-to-bottom method and in your range and what you do? So obviously
1: sports betting is, there's many, many options, right? Um, how you can try to bet, make good bets. Top to bottom is basically when you're making bets, uh, you're not originating a number, you're not creating a model, you're not really doing any of that. What you're really doing is you're trying to, it's kind of what we talked about last week, if we think that a certain sports book is sharp in something, And then you see that other sports books have a different number. Um, You can make wagers based on what certain sports books have. So it's, um, I think it's probably one of the easier ways to make money as sports betting because you don't actually have to have anything, you know, you don't have to have, you know, some great ideas or some good models or you don't have to spend time, you know, Making models, you just kind of have to stare at the market. And if you think that the line will move a certain way, you can, you know, make a bet at some place that has a better number, knowing that the line will close, you know, at a worse number later or, yeah, a worse number, better number for you, but worse for them. But, uh, but yeah, that's basically top bottom top to bottom method many sports bettors do this and many are very successful um but yeah that's basically yeah, it
2: yeah yeah this is to me this is how you get the biggest edge and the most amount of volume because if you're just looking at hundreds of options i mean in some cases like a thousand options on on props and stuff and you're just better you're just blindly betting the discrepancies I mean, yeah, there's no studying, like he said, there's no modeling. You're just literally, I call it looking for the nuts or playing the market or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but anyone that anyone that makes a model and, and plays their model on major market things, it's tough to really match the edge doing this because, because the markets are smaller, less efficient, I mean, you can get you can get I mean, you can get 10, 15% on your money over and over this is what i'm doing here in colorado uh just all over the place and 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 then it becomes it, it becomes printing money because you're not you're not you're not doing lower volume with two to a four percent edge you're doing higher volume with with a higher edge and it plays itself out quicker and i think everybody should do this when they first get into sports betting this is definitely this is the way to like really build your bankroll up fast um you can middle as well but uh, if you're able to, most most of that kind of stuff anyway has a small max, so y- you're not gonna you're not gonna run into situations where where you go, wow, well, I don't have, I could I could play this number for ten grand, and my betting unit's only five hundred. I have to play the other side for x amount of it. It's usually it's usually lower limit things like props are lower limit. Um, I even did when I first started. I did in the NBA. I did first quarter. I did the sides and totals and I, and I had like 10 sports books and I would just, I would look, okay, pinnacle and pinnacle, pinnacle. No, I would look at five times. I would go okay, five, five times was the one I, I think I did. They have 51 and a half and it would be like 51, 52, uh, the over 50 and a half, some more juice. And then boom, like one of them would have like 53 and a half, you know, and, and I'd go, oh, go under or the, or one would have 49 and a half oh go over you know and I and I and you and a lot of times you can line yourself up with a lot of middles just one book has a discrepancy one way one has one the other way and then and then you're definitely in the driver's seat you know as far as risk and and getting your money in good but yeah that's my my thoughts on that
0: David can you talk about how much time you allow into doing that every day like the time that it takes you to to do that process daily—is it a two-hour job? Is it a ten-hour job? You know, so people can understand well, what it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it depends. It depends how you're trying to get the money down. I won't. I won't like elaborate too much, but it depends how you're trying to get the money down at at the places. Are you doing it on the apps? The, the funding becomes how you're moving the money around. But for me, it's not. It's not. It's not too bad. But you want to, basically for me too, I try to do everything around post because I feel you blend in better too. You always have to worry about your image. Like if the game's six hours away, nobody's not that many people are really betting it and you're sitting there trying to play the nuts all over the place. <laughs> I call it the nuts, it's a poker term. You're really going to stand out and, and this is how you have heat. So one way to blend in is when these events are happening, either during the event Right before, this is when you can really blend in because the the over the volume is there's a lot of volume that's happening. People are betting all over, well, for me, all over the state, all all over the country on on most of the apps in, in multiple states. So I try to blend in. Um, yeah, and and so I'd say to answer the question, well, a day like today, yesterday it was more hours, yet a day like today is like six or seven hours. Mm -hmm. that's 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 for and and our average edge man is at this point like it's really good like 10 10 10 to 12 percent and i'm used to i'm used to just basically getting plus 110 on coin flips back in vegas that was my cutoff i wanted i wanted plus 110 on a coin flip basically so whatever my number strength was to my juice i needed like a 10 a 10 cent padding if that makes sense but here it's 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 a lot better it's like plus 125 on coin flips and we're able to get a lot down so i'm just so i'm just really hungry here you know it's like because back in the day too when i did that my image was bad everywhere couldn't get that much down and i felt i felt defeated playing the market playing the nuts whatever you want to i felt defeated uh after after the m casino stop taking like where you could go 10 25 000 on some of these it was it was like man this is a <laughs> low end you know but yeah i know here it's just it's great so yeah i'm really hungry making a lot so life's good but yeah and then saturday all day <sighs> sunday sunday most of the day
0: well, well with so, the top, well and with the top to bottom method does that particularly come more limitations Versus the bottom of the tower, you getting limited faster? Well,
1: well you probably, if they're looking
0: at closing line value,
1: you probably would get limited faster. I don't really do any of this. Uh So I'm not very good maybe at talking about it. But the problem is the the, the thing that I find a little problematic with this stuff is people have to be a little bit careful what markets they actually attack. Because I think if you're, and maybe I'm wrong, but if you're attacking like a good market like the NFL where – you know, it's a very efficient market. So, you know, the numbers are very solid. Um, this method, I think, is kind of strong because, you know, those those numbers are really, you know, they're when they're wrong, they get hit pretty fast. If you're doing this like, I don't know, college basketball, I think you have to be a little bit careful because there's so much manipulation in the market and there's like, you know, Pinnacle and beckris are getting manipulated all the time because people can get down betting, you know, across America for way more money. So you just have to be a little bit careful uh, when you do this stuff or what markets you kind of do. And uh, another thing that I think you should kind of be a little bit careful of is um, is when you do it, you you should try, if you're betting every single off number, they're going to catch on pretty fast, I think. Uh, so, you know, you just want to, be a little careful with that. So, maybe put in some real place, even if they're minus EV or neutral EV, other places, you know. So, your account does get to last a little longer. But usually, if there's a trader behind the desk and you make a wager on some number, the first thing, if they're a clueless trader, the first thing they will do is they will look at their dumbest screen and they will see what the, the world has that number at. And then, you know, and behind their mind, they will know. Oh, this account when he bet, he bet the number that was off. And then if you keep doing that over and over and over, eventually they're gonna
2: catch on. I think. Maybe. Yeah, him, but yeah, no, no, they do. And then, and then, for myself, I always go, okay, put yourself in the guy who's looking at this bet's mind right now, just in case somebody's looking at it. So let's say I bet just a straight, <clears throat> a straight, almost an error. Then, yeah, I'll do I'll quickly do a widely available NBA side or a total or just something to minimize the what just happened. So, for example, if I get let's say something should be minus 180 break even and then I lay minus 110, and let's say I put I don't know 8,000 on it, I'll quickly go and I'll bet an NBA side Just <laughs> something random or a total, you know, like I'll go over or under 224 and a half if it's just flat 224 and a half that way there's just i don't know if it even helps but that way there's just a small degree of doubt well maybe he just and then most of the time my theory is they don't see it because here it's all i know when you were working at pinnacle you guys saw every you had a you had a system to see every every big every big bet coming across probably or most of them
1: yeah imagine imagine like a web page that shows every single bet that comes in and it's, it's customizable. So like, you know, you can, you can change, you can change what limits you want to see. You can change what kind of profile of the players that you want to see. And obviously, you know, if I'm trading Croatian basketball, I want to see $20 bets. And if I'm doing NBA, I probably want to see bets, you know, over $500, you know? So it's kind of like
2: that. Well, when I was, when I was in Vegas, I mean, a lot of the stuff I'm seeing, I probably shouldn't say, but I, I just don't really care. When I was in Vegas, my manager friend who worked at station casinos, he goes, hey, man, anything under 500 we can't see come across in real time, kind of saying what you're saying. He goes, it's basically set just to show anything over 500. And yeah, it's kind of like this like like screen where each bet like, okay, the new ones at the top and and, and it's just constantly moving down like a, like a ticker of all the bets over 500 and uh so basically whenever i would play the nuts you know whenever i'm i want the first half of a college game eight when it's a flat seven everywhere you're getting your your plus 110 that's about 20 cents of value for 10 so you're getting your plus 110 on the flip there i would just play like 460 or i would you know it's pretty obvious but not really because they didn't see it even though you could say well that's obvious my friend my friend told me he goes we don't see anything over five hundred. He goes, just don't yep. go over five hundred when you're playing the nuts. So then I did that, and so I was literally like mass betting. You can ask Michael. Oh, he, we were doing. The, I was literally mass betting like four twenty to like four seventy on everything. And then if I did four twenty on one app on plus eight, then I would on the other app do like three seventy five. And then I'd wait like two minutes, and then I'd do like four fifty on the third app. And I would I would bet like six or seven of the apps. And I'd get like uh, three or four thousand down on on the on the plus one ten on a flip, and not and none of them would be over five hundred. So that that yeah. was kind of how I went about things when I used to do that at in in Vegas.
0: Well, I, I've worked with I work with currently with both you guys, and to me, I know like David, those you don't have apps in your name, you're limited, and I'm and so I, I to me it brings up the importance of a a partnering with a winning group, right? So you, you, both of you guys, both need par- betting partners because you can't just walk in and bet what you want. Is that, am I wrong or am I right?
2: I should yes. be limited. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go, go, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I should, I should be limited myself. I mean, cause I've really, I've really leaned on the places in Vegas in Vegas. I should be limited everywhere. I, I deserve what I have. I've leaned on these guys like for like 17 years or whatever it was. Uh but and then here i'm limited kind of this kind of the same thing playing the nuts yeah. Uh, but yeah that's why i'm limited he can talk about his he's he's just beating the move over and over on on a lot of widely stuff go ahead and explain why you're limited
1: no i mean like we just you know we we use the bottom to top approach but the uh you know, obviously sportsbooks don't like getting beat. And uh, after a while, basically every single sport book, except a few, they eventually limit you. To be honest, I actually never made a sports betting account under my name, um, mostly because I've never lived in states that allows it. But uh, But yeah, it is, if you want to scale up your, you know, your betting, you have to make partnerships with people. Because unfortunately, we live in a world where, you know, people don't people don't want to take your bets, and uh, and uh, that's in my opinion is the easiest way to actually make money in sports betting. Because you don't actually have to do any work, you don't have to know anything. You just have to say, "Hey guys, uh, you guys are smart, or somebody's smart. I would like to partner up with you. I know you need liquidity. Uh, let me help you." And that's the best way to actually. I think get your feet wet and you can learn a lot too. You know, you can, uh, you can look at the bets that these people are making your, in your account and you can actually learn from it and ask questions if you want. And you can do all kinds of stuff. You know, I know sometimes Mike always asks me random stuff about, you know, things that are better in his accounts and I explain it to him and he's learning stuff. And it's just, um, it's just, I think it's the easiest way to actually make it in this business. It's not nearly as fun, of course, but uh, you know, you can't sit around and say, ooh, I really make the Cowboys minus six while the whole world is at seven and a half. I'm gonna go, you know, bet the plus seven and a half. Like for somebody to think there's so, so many millions and millions of dollars bet in most major market stuff across the whole world. And there's these big groups with computer programmers and and uh, people who, do, who are doing analytics, like staffs of hundreds of people, you know, like creating models. Like for you to think that you know better than the whole world, like you have to have some kind of either you're oblivious to really what the sports markets are, or you have to really be full of yourself because... It's you know, these these numbers are made because there's millions and millions of dollars bet on both sides
2: and many different sports books across the world. Well said. I love that. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> Let me ask you, I like to ask you questions because yeah, if I can learn too, I wanna I wanna learn some stuff. So when you're when you're seeing all these bets come across from your expert in this, your expert in that and and, and so on, and they're basically these guys are the ones these are the ones, the, the experts in each sport. Do you even care to, do you ever ask these guys and well, A, do you ask them, B, would they even tell you par, uh, various pieces of their models or do you just not get, do you not go into that? Like if, like, does anyone ever say to you, well, we like to do this because of this and this, and this is in our model, etc."
1: So obviously I know more about this business than their normal partners. Uh, so when I asked them, it depends what kind of group you're dealing you're a with, threat. <laughs> but, but, but some, some of them, they tell you, like, uh, we started betting corner kicks for this one group, like a few days ago and, uh, they sent a play and, uh, you know, I, I asked them, Hey, do you also, you know, like the over in this game based on the play they sent? And, uh, and then they're like, Oh, like, you know, or like another good example in soccer uh, betting the favor and the over is very correlated. Um, you will never see, you will very rarely see a sharp bet, you know, a minus 1 goal favorite and the under. You if you're you either betting the minus 1 goal favorite and the over and the plus you know, the plus 1 goal underdog with the under. And uh, you know, these are things that you catch on that by seeing and then if you ask them You know, I'm like, hey, do you ever bet the opposite? They're like, no, you know, like, so it really depends what kind of relationship you have with this, with these groups. But, uh, but I don't know, whenever people ask people we partner with and they ask me about the stuff that I originate, I usually, you know, I don't tell them like what I actually make the line and why I make it, what I make it, but I explain to them how the model works and, you know, like, this is what it thinks, uh, you know, without giving too much details, but but yeah.
2: If yeah, somebody I asks think... me, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your thing. No, go no.
1: Ahead. Like if if somebody you know somebody I work with asks me like, hey, what what do you think are the important like I mostly bet basketball live. What are the most important inputs to creating a basketball live model? Like I would tell them. You know, really? I like, I would. Uh, you know, I'm talking about the inputs. Uh,
2: you know, and uh, yeah. What if the person's would, like really overqualified and could take, and, and so you don't have, so you don't go around. Cause I know a <laughs> lot of people, I, I know a lot of professional gamblers have the mentality. Well, I can't tell everyone too much, or they're going to take over my hustle. You don't really look at it like that.
1: Well, obviously I'm not giving out the goods, but if somebody that I'm working with is asking out of curiosity or just wants to learn, I will tell them. Uh, you know betting basketball live isn't easy because <laughs> because obviously there's a spinning wheel uh, so you have to like really know when to bet and uh, and it's a lot of work you know you need you need to watch the game you need to have a bunch of people clicking the games for you before the timeout ends it's It's something that it's not as easy as like betting pregame, in my opinion. So you would need a really big infrastructure. You know, I have I have like nine people betting basketball live like as a staff. Uh, It's a lot of work. But uh, but yeah, I don't if anybody ever wants to talk about how to model a basketball live game, I'll gladly, you know tell people
2: what I think so so basically what you're saying is and correct me if I'm wrong you're basically saying you can give bits and pieces because you have you you have a staff of seven or eight people and basically somebody knowing a few a few bits and pieces of it is, is not a threat to to even yeah
1: and, and and there's so many different sports books with different lines and creating a model isn't easy you know but but, you know, if somebody yeah. asks me, hey, do you think it's better is better to use a, uh, you know, like what kind of, is it better to use like a, um, like th- w- what inputs do you think are important? You know, like time and possession and all these other things. Like, I don't mind telling them, you know, but getting, uh-huh. to, getting to the answer, you know, I, I basically only learned because when we started doing it, at pinnacle we were basically doing it by hand so so uh, you know I'm not a computer programmer or I don't even know how to do anything with data to be honest or not much uh, so I just learned by basically being thrown in the fire but uh, but yeah
2: is and it's and it's mostly the hardest part for me if I was to because I've always thought about trying to do some type of Well, model but I mean, I the fourth the the fourth quarter would be tough, like that final minute. And then I and then I'd be thinking, okay, how much do how much do the coaches tendencies matter here? You know, is it is it more that or is it just raw numbers? Like if they're down so, three, do they foul on purpose? You know, like stuff like that. Do they give up if they're down five? Do they keep fouling? Stuff like that. So
1: so for well, luckily for you, most sports books in the last like two minutes of the game, they don't even post a live. Um so you don't have to worry about that too much. Sometimes they'll post a money line, but most sports books don't even post a line. But uh but yeah, obviously coaches tendencies do matter a bit. Um the thing that I always try to do is it's impossible to know all the coaches tendencies and the motivations of the players in any specific moment of an NBA season or if I'm betting, I don't know, I bet a lot of Euroleague
0: for instance.
1: And I don't even know the players' names, uh, nor the coaches. Um, but the thing is, everyone thinks that they're betting. I try to bet, like, a really high edge. And then, hopefully, when I'm wrong, since I'm betting an higher edge that I should be betting, uh, hopefully that, like, helps me, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And so, so, so basically, I always tell people, I'm only betting things that I think have, you know, 4 or 5% edge or higher. But... I never hold four or 5%. I'm always holding, you know, yeah. between two and two <laughs> and three. So, and, and those mistakes, those are the times I make the mistakes, you know, is, uh, is a certain player have, you know, four fouls and he's not going to play much of the third quarter or did somebody get hurt and I didn't see it that he left the game or, you know, is uh, is, uh, is, uh, is, a, is a guy... Uh, on one team, just got double technical and got kicked out, or whatever. Or guy tweaked an ankle, whatever it is. There's all kinds of different things that you know that you have to kind of pay attention to.
2: Are you? But you're not. You're not ever. You're not ever getting super deep where you're going. Okay, I'm gonna <coughs> change. I'm gonna change the numbers in this one spot because they team A ha- has another. Road game tomorrow and they're less likely well, to fight to the death and foul.
1: Well, in theory, in theory, the closing line
2: knows all of this information. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say do next.
1: So so yeah, so in theory, the closing line knows that tomorrow they play again. The closing line knows that they play the day before. The closing line in theory knows all of that. So obviously the closing line in live is your main input.
2: Then yeah, you, you have to that the whole thing. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So sometimes you change the closing line too, you know, if a player gets hurt, um, you know, especially a, a, a big player, you know, like somebody like Jokic, he's probably worth five or six points to the spread. When he gets hurt, you have to change your closing line, you know.
2: So you have
1: to do a lot and, of that And then stuff you and have to, to
2: you have to factor in, right? Like the impact that he has later in the game than earlier in the game. Or it's kind of like the same. Well, if uh, your
1: inputs are the closing line, then, then uh, it knows based on the... Yeah. Because another one of the input is the time of the game. Um, one of the mistakes that people make, in my opinion, uh, I see it all the time, even when I was you know, trading NBA, is whenever a player gets hurt, the market thinks certain players are worth certain amounts. But what they're not taking into consideration is... Players are worth different based on what other players are in or out. So let me give you an example. So let's say in this example, Jokic is not going to play one game. The market will steam five or six points, but and it will always steam five or six points, but he's not always worth five or six points. It matters is Jamal Murray playing. It matters is the backup center playing. Because if the backup center isn't there, he's worth more. If the second best player isn't there, he's worth more. And then another thing that people don't take into consideration is how good is the team they're playing against. Because Jokic will be worth five or six points against a good team. He might be worth less versus a bad team. And these are things that people don't really... Now, I don't know exactly how much he's worth in all these different scenarios. But uh, when people are chasing injury news... They should take all these things into account.
2: So you are. So there is. There is. You're looking at little. Well, I I call that kind of cluster injuries. Like if one if one lineman's out in in football, you know, his value actually hit, when there's multiple guys out. Yeah, in theory, it 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 like compounds kind of. it, it, it yeah. It's worth more, is what you're saying, and then and then there's little there's probably matchup things that you're looking at with those seven guys that work with you. Um, But yeah, it's interesting whenever someone goes out a star player.
1: Yeah. And it's uh, injuries is basically probably the best way you can make money betting actually NBA pregame because every single player is worth so much more in NBA than any other sport to, to the spread because there's only five players on the court. Right. And it's such a top-heavy league, like star-heavy league, that whenever you can get ahead of an injury news, that's where like you can make some really, really good bets. So if somebody actually wants to make their own bets and you find the right people to follow on Twitter, you get information before the sportsbooks get it, because the sportsbooks don't get it instantly. You know, They do get it, but it's not right away if
2: you can be ahead
1: of that information you can actually make a lot of money doing that
0: type of stuff i don't do, do it you, but
2: do you find do you find that quite a bit with your sources or do you do you focus more on okay when so and so's out and the de- degree of panic is this it's really not as bad as it looks uh this is actually you know the backups are going to step up stuff like that or do you or is it more you actually get the info before it's factored in when i
1: when I, well, when I
2: used to work in the sports book, you know,
1: we were getting deep to the information all the time. When I traded NBA, we had, we had customers that we knew that if they bet it was because a big player wasn't playing. And, Jesus, really? <laughs> oh yeah. A hundred percent. We had them like what? profile them that way. I'm not kidding.
2: So they uh, only bet, So they only bet like with these huge edges, like, how do you, and, and and I would have always wondered how they found out that stuff themselves. I mean, that, that's impressive to me. If they if they actually well, got involved in doing that. <laughs> I, have, I
1: have another, I have a funny story. I said it, I was on the Spanky podcast and I said it there. So maybe I'm re- sorry if a lot of your listeners already have heard it. But um, I remember one day I was working, I was dealing MBA and it was in the middle of the day when nothing was happening. And I got like a 20K bet on the Orlando. It was like Toronto Raptors versus Orlando Magic. I got a 20K bet from an account I didn't recognize. It was a max bet, 20 or 30K on the Orlando Magic. So the first thing I did was like, this seems weird. Let me Google the, the account holder's name. And the account holder was a dentist from Toronto. This is a true story. Now, a dentist from Toronto in the middle of the day is betting the team that's playing against Toronto. That's fishy as hell, I said to myself. So, so you know, I put that information in the back of my head. I moved the line and I took a bunch of money on the other side. And like two, three hours later, they announced that Chris Bosch, uh was not going to play that night because he had his wisdom teeth pulled. No way. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff like this happens all the time, you know, so you do have to take this stuff and stop information
2: into consideration, you know, when I come across it. But that dentist, (laughs) you and I both know that dentist has to be somewhat sharp because he has to at least understand that like that wasn't already factored in. Like I kind of feel a lot of times people go like amateurs will go, oh, so and so's out. You have to bet this. And then you're just thinking in your head, man, that's a, already factored in and yep. some, so, so he had to at least have been on the level of, okay, this well, is, this is not factored in. Right. Yeah. Because he knew that nobody else knew this information. You okay. Know? Yeah. that makes like, sense. Though.
1: Yeah. So it was, it, and, and stuff like this, like I said, there's, uh, I remember this was before Twitter when I was working at pinnacle there were not, we had a guy who, uh, he had contacts in every single arena. So this was before Twitter happened. We had a guy. We, You guys remember the AIM uh, messenger, AOL messenger? Yeah. So, so this guy that. would message us on AOL messenger. And he basically, I don't know how much, they, how much Pinnacle paid this guy. But this guy had people watching if every player at warm-up, if anybody was injured. And then they would tell them to us like that those guys would not play or they, they look like they wouldn't play or they look sick or whatever it was. And sports books are doing that. But in today's world with Twitter and all the B writers, the sports books don't have this extra information. You, the better can get it just as good.
2: Yeah, that's pretty exciting. I mean, you have to know who to follow and stuff. That's, that's a skill too on its own, right? Yeah, I
1: mean, every team has, you know, a main beat writer. Uh, A good way to do it is whenever a guy gets, whenever a guy gets uh, announced out, search for that player's name through Twitter and you will see the first person or the first few people that tweeted that information. I see. And then, and then you can create a list. You can create a list like that. That so you will know because sometimes it's not the main beat writer. Sometimes it's like, some normal guy that works for some crappy newspaper, magazine, whatever, who that one time or a few times has the information before
2: everybody else. Yeah, that was a good tip. That's that's see I, that that totally makes sense based on the way it all works. Um, yeah, that yeah. okay. There you go, listeners. There's a there's your huge tip for the day. <laughs> Now you'll now you'll uh, hundreds of guys and and then have information coming at too much information coming at you. But you, you, you should doesn't. have you should <laughs> have about a few hundred guys you're following if you actually want them off. <laughs> yeah, and then and then and then, I mean, this is this is I don't know if you, yeah I guess you call that angle shooting, but the guys that, that used to just only bet on that kind of stuff. I mean, they must have annoyed you guys to death. What, what would you guys think about those guys? Like, oh, they're pretty badass or they're annoying or they're low end or they're low lives? Or what would you guys think I, of that? I didn't really care very much. Uh, my boss
1: will get upset sometimes because, you know, obviously <laughs> they're betting, you know, three, four points of value on, on an NBA spread. Uh, but, you know, like I kind of liked it when it, that information came soon before the whole market got it because then you can do something with that bet, right? so i didn't mind it too much but obviously you know you're basically paying these guys whatever a few hundred thousand dollars a year for them to tell you some stuff that nobody else knows
2: you know that's not so bad because yeah strategically you guys could have you guys could have literally even uh back backtracked okay whenever these guys bet uh their one play every four days or whatever they seem to close like two and a half points good or whatever. And and you could have like massively overmoved all the bets in the oh, yeah. future a lot the other way at like minus whatever percent. So
1: well, yeah, well, there's there's a thing that traders these days they don't really believe in over which I think is just bad. Um, there's many times where overmoving is the best thing you can do. Uh, because because the goal of a trader is not to make money on the last bet that you received the goal of a trader should be to find the closing line as fast as possible and then that's where you actually make you know the most money so i went, i remember we had a guy we used to deal minus 105 on both sides we had a guy betting baseball totals this is like 2010 2011 he was so good that every time he bet i would move the line 20 cents so, basically, two full bigs. Yeah. And And the guy could have been an asshole and, like, buy back. Yeah. Um, but, but he didn't do much of that. Uh, obviously, then it becomes kind of a game. Sometimes you move a lot. Sometimes you move a little less. Sometimes you move a lot, but you get there slower. You have to – you can't always make the same move because then the guy can get you. But – that guy would bet, I would move, you know, the full move where he, even if he bets the other side, he makes no profit. Then I would yeah. wait 10, 15 minutes, no bets was coming. I would move it a little more and then a little more. And you know, and that's kind of how we did it. But uh, but yeah, over moving, over moving is good, I think. If you're if let's say you're really good at something and like and you know, and I know that you you hold. Five well, percent. Let's let's even say three percent. Three percent on thousands and thousands of wagers, and you make a wager like I can move the big end more and still be profitable on all the bets I get on the other side. But most traders don't do it because everyone's so always so concerned,
2: at, you know, always so concerned at making money on the last bet. Yeah, and I feel I feel that guy was was the type of person that just made his model and bet the discrepancies to the to the going rate and but i mean if he is i mean and and he's somewhat sharp with numbers it does make sense that one out of seven if he sees you move at 20 cents he's just gonna throw a random play in there or 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 phony up the side whatever you call it and then then go back the other way i guess but yeah you you didn't think he was doing any of that you thought he was just doing Uh, straight it's possibly was,
1: but uh, I think he was pretty strict sure shooter. Um, but yeah, like when I bet personally, I don't do any of that. Like if if I think the line is value, even you know, let's say I'm betting plus one twenty because I make the line plus one hundred five, and uh, and there's plus number on the other side. If I show no value on that bet, I'm still not going to make it. So, but people, people, you know, people sometimes are happy betting both sides, but I'm kind of a firm believer you should just bet whatever you think there's value.
2: Well, well, let me ask you this then. What's your opinion on this? Let's say that you're just super deep pockets. You, you, you have a really big edge, right? And you're that guy that bets the baseball totals. Let's say that every time you bet or every time that guy bets, right? And he goes, Man, they move it at 20 cents. This is frustrating. If I was that guy, I would play some of them back just so that you guys moved. don't well, well, I wouldn't want you guys we, to we yeah, ruin the market want, for him. Yeah. Yeah, because well, I, we not only that, but yeah, you're he he can never like repop games with you guys, you know. If you think about it, but if you guys just are fearing, oh, we don't want him to go the other way. Then you don't move it as much. He can repop his better plays with you guys and, and do two units, and and the second unit doesn't have this this awful price that you just moved it so much. So that's another yeah. reason I would do that. If, but I've never had super deep pockets where I'm going, man. How do, like Billy Walters type stuff? How do I get two hundred grand down? You know, with with sheets sure. and prices. I've never ha- had to think about it or strategize <laughs> it, you know. No, obviously,
1: obviously, if you're always over moving off of every single one of the bets, then the guy can, you know, you have to, you have to take what it is. The guy can come better and get the other side. But generally, I think most, most winning betters, they don't do any of that stuff. Most, most winning bettors are, we, we talked about how hard it is to get down. Most winning betters are so happy that you still let them bet there. Like, they don't even try to do that type of shit. You know, like... Even though, yeah, I understand. They would never, ever like ban you for doing something like that. But they're just so happy they, you know, they get a decent pop. Yeah. And,
2: you know, at least that's been my experience. Well, because, well, because as as somebody, as somebody, the people that have one restriction after another, they're always thinking in their head this okay, Pinnacle and Bet Chris, they don't back winners out. I don't want to be the guy that's, in the first group that they do end up backing out because I'm playing back games the other way. So it's kind of like you're, yeah, you're grateful and you're on your best behavior, even yeah, even on the places that say, Oh yeah, you can bet back the other side. We don't care. At some point they could care. And then they're just going to tell you goodbye in one second. So I think that's what, that's a lot of what it is.
1: Then the other, the other bottom up method is basically just uh you know, you create some kind of model that predicts what the outcome of a game is supposed to be. And yeah, you bet whenever your model says that the outcome that people have posted is wrong. Right.
2: What's your, what's your, what's your main sport that, that you do this with your own stuff?
1: Oh, I, I basically, most of my stuff is just basketball live, but, uh, but, uh, we do some soccer as well. Um, but yeah, those are basically the only two
2: sports that I do any of the stuff in. Makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm 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 just American, American everything. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's
1: also there's also this like you know like speaking of different bottom you know bottom to top methods is there's all kinds of stuff that people can do. Like it goes so deep. You can make a model that's based on teams. You can make a model that is based on players. Um, I know soccer like players, like a place, player-based model is actually what most people do. Um, so it's, uh, you know, there's just so many different ways you can go and try to create these things. Um, but yeah.
2: Yeah, my friend, I have a friend that he he focuses on props, like 90%, but he yep. said that his props model, basically doing it from the inside out, he uses his props model, and that's how he figures out his full game bets. And I always yep. found that – like, I was always wanting him to elaborate on that, but he really doesn't.
1: Yeah. There's,
2: once again, many ways to skin a cat. Yeah. He said the props show him which side – and he doesn't have that many NBA sides, but when he does, they're pretty strong. Like, they usually close good, and, and he he's obviously on to something with, with – and this must be a matchups thing or whatever he's well, looking at. The the best like so I used to play a lot of DFS
1: and there's some really good resources out there, even for not that much money. Uh, for instance for NBA DFS, one of the best sites is Establish the Run. I don't know if you guys ever heard of it. Uh, they do a lot of they do a lot of good stuff. Uh, and their player product projection is they're really good, right? But I'm pretty sure that the way they come up with player projections is they take the pace of the game and they take, you know, the spread of the game. And then they take the usage and the time, you know, how much each player will play. And that's how they come up with projections. Um, so, so, yeah, so that's interesting that your friend has a model that goes the other way because it would be really hard to project what a player will do in a game without knowing what the total is going to
2: be, you know what i mean? Yeah, i think um, i think i think he'll he'll find up find all these matchup edges in the game and then it could be something as simple as the home team's minus 4 home court's worth about 4 points but the away team has the edge all over the place in this and that and so he'll take the plus 4. I don't I don't know if it, i'm just thinking out loud of Yeah. It.
1: And like an advice, an advice that I want to give people is if they want to start sides for any American sports, they should probably start with props because obviously it's an easier market to beat, and you have a lot of pretty cheap resources out there that you can use. And, and then if you really think that you know Steph Curry is going to score more points than whatever these projections are telling you, you can adjust Steph Curry's minutes you know, and then use the averages that the projections are giving you to change them however you want. But, you know, if, uh, if you really like a, one team to beat another team, maybe the best way to start is, okay, then let me go bet some overs on their key players, you know? And I think if you don't have a quantifiable edge because you have a model or whatever else, I think that's a better way to try and create your own stuff, than to, you know, just sit around with your buddies at the bar and say, I really think that, you know, the Golden State Warriors are going to win today
2: because the Pistons are weak, you know? Yeah, we we have a more sophisticated audience than I thought because people listened last week and some of the questions and and things people were saying, you know, you could tell they're, they're on a pretty, I mean, not as high a level as you, obviously, but they take this stuff very serious and they were real excited about it about this second episode. So I was really like thinking it all week about what to say. And then of course I said nothing <laughs> that I was <laughs> it just all happened. But yeah, we we had people just saying some of the comments. I mean, I kind of wish you would have read them all. They were they were okay, these are guys that are very serious about the business. I uh, I posted
1: it on my Twitter account, I got one like so we know we got one like,
0: one
2: like. <laughs> yeah, we, got, we got many likes don't worry <laughs> yeah we got to get those likes, man it's all about the likes nowadays
1: so yeah another big advice that i want to give people is really don't jump in the nfl right away or if you do you know try to tackle it when the limits are low you know this is all obvious obvious stuff but uh but you are more likely to win if you bet on Monday instead of, you know, Sunday morning, um, yeah. so, you know, and same thing, like maybe instead of betting the game, bet the half, uh, you know, maybe, maybe see if a sports book as the, you know what a buy sell is. I don't know what you guys call it, but uh, the alternative spreads, Yeah. like, you know, instead of betting minus six, you want to bet minus six and a half, see if uh-huh. a sports book, is not charging the right amount. And then maybe you can buy those points or sell those points. Uh, Try to find the main meat and potato markets are the ones that are being paid attention more. So you have to try to find something that not many eyes are looking at it. And, uh, you know, the traders are not paying as much attention to it or just, you know, the math that these specific sports books have is not
2: great or whatever it is. You need volume. You guys, you need a high, vo- higher volume, the better for many reasons and, and a higher edge. And what he's saying is you need to attack. We say it over and over. We'll probably say it in every podcast, the less efficient markets, the ones where they're, they're just not eyeing it as much and they don't, they're not, they're not, they're not worth Stuff that has a two to $500 max, they almost, you know, they won't even look at that stuff sometimes for hours. And, and this is how this is how you can build your units up. And most guys start with, with less money and, and try to build it up. So this is perfect for them. They're not really going to have tons of heat at the beginning. Although some places will give you heat for $200 beds. I mean, if you make enough of them. But that's, that's definitely good advice. Price shop as well. Um, then another
1: advice I want to give, please don't pay any touts.
0: Or yeah, don't, in yeah.
1: Place, um, yeah, yeah. If you really, really want to tail people's play, you guys ever use Betstamp? I you don't know what Betstamp exactly is.
0: is? I know what it is, but I haven't used it. No. <laughs> so Betstamp
1: is kind of like, I kind of talk about it as a, like a Facebook for sports betting. Mm-hmm. But basically, you can make an account and you can link your accounts to it. So you make an account and you say, okay, I have an account at Caesars. I have an account at MGM whatever. And then every time you make a wager at Caesars, MGM, whatever it is, best stamp, you can give, you can tell Bet stamp either show the, the bet to the public that you made that bet right now, or like the next day, whatever you want to, however you want to tell it to it. And then Bet stamp actually keeps records of your record and how much you beat the closing line by and whatever else. And all that information is like public. So So you can go on this bet stamp and see people who actually are winning. And if you, for free, you can bet their bets instead of paying some guy who is basically selling you, you know, some gold that doesn't exist.
2: Yeah. So uh, that's interesting. So on that bet stamp, do you get into that too and and follow other people or do you just put your own stuff and yourself? No,
1: No, no. I don't.
0: That's a good tool to have.
1: Okay. I don't, I don't put, I don't put any bets in it. I don't really follow it. But when I learned that there was a thing like this, I spent like an hour and a half looking around the website and there was definitely people with lots of wagers that were beating the closing line. And there's definitely people with lots of wagers that were winning. And the website shows you all their bets and it shows you like, you know, what their ROI was, how much should are beating the closing line by. And, and then, you know it's like a community like you can like become their oh. friends you know you're like oh i followed your play great job by one as well you know things of that nature
2: so okay. yeah, yeah that's okay. yeah there you go guys well i was i was kind of taking it serious until you laughed and went no <laughs> i'm thinking okay maybe i won't go <laughs> on no yeah. no they, they might be i mean i only have i have two little girls and
1: only so many hours per day but if I was starting and I have no edge, like that's kind of where I would start. I would start with something like Betstamp, and I would try to find people that were winning, and I would see
2: if I could follow the bets. So, if anything, it's a good learning tool too. You're saying like there's many ways you, you can you can there's serious people on it that you could network with, or you know you could you could you could follow. You could even try to brand yourself. There's just many different things.
1: Yeah. And, and even if you don't want to ever interact with anybody else, you should still use it because it keeps records of your bets.
2: Okay. And,
0: okay.
1: And, and and just just for that, like no one likes to put log their bets in the in a spreadsheet after a loss, right? So
0: the system, <laughs> the
1: system keeps everything, right? Keeps your bet, your closing live value it be, it keeps everything. So then, you know, you don't have to do any of that. And then, you know, six months later, you can actually go look and say, well, I thought I was winning. Look, shit, I'm actually losing. Or, Oh, I really thought I was doing good in NBA, but I'm losing in that. I'm actually beating, you know, NFL. And these are the type of things that you can analyze your own bets.
2: Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Well, I learned a couple of things today. I don't think I would (laughs) go on that. I'll let Dolomite do that. He likes that kind of stuff. Go ahead, Dolan Mike. That's your new job is to start going on that. Find 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 good off of there. That's something good. Well, for me,
0: for me, it's it's like I let you guys just kind of do your things episode because you you two are one of the two of the smartest guys that I know. For me, I'm more like the average guy that you know that has the regular job, that has kids, or has, that doesn't have the time that you guys to put into it, right? And so when I hear you guys talk, I'm like, how can I partner with these guys? How can I get them accounts to bet into? And the hustle on my end becomes, all right, when this bookie or sports book has limited me, how do I get another account? That's what drives me and motivates me because I want to keep feeding guys like Ann and David to keep betting. You're, you're the expert. So for me, if if the guy that's, that's not a winner but has a bookie, I mean, for me it's like, can I – let me figure out a way to partner with you guys to – to, to make good bets in my account so you know you you can make you know extra money that way that's just kind of how i look at sports betting and how my job I, I just get as many accounts as possible to keep you guys you know i want to keep you know you guys betting my accounts as well so
2: oh you're doing good with that for me yeah i've never yeah
1: done. he's doing good. He's, good he's doing good for us as well
2: So that's that's kind of <laughs> my role
0: and i know what my role is i'm not as smart as you guys so i, I just Feed you guys accounts because I know what that means in the end. The end game is always
2: good. Yeah, um, but that that's worth a lot just right there. Knowing your role and then dedicating yourself to it. it it's it, it like he like he has seven people in his, I guess on his in play NBA, and each person knows their role and it's yeah it's a well you guys always say a well oiled machine. I like that saying. I mean, it's a machine, <laughs> a factory like <laughs> Carby and Bill. Well, really.
1: yeah, I mean the the people. The, the people are necessary mostly because it's really hard to like do the math and click accounts yourself. You know, you, the timeouts are so short, but it's uh, everybody has a role, you know, and uh, like Micah's uh, his role is great. Without Micah, sometimes we would not be able to bet, you know, because he's
2: bringing a lot of accounts to us, you know. We might lose him though. He's He's been having a uh, stress, a lot of stress on my end lately. <laughs> Uh, there's
0: always hurdles. There's always hurdles, as you say, the edges never last. There's always hurdles, but payment process, I, I, whatever it is, it's always a hurdle. Let, figure out a way. Around.
1: Last, last Monday on accounting day, he sent us a message, said, Great job, great week this week, guys.
2: <laughs> yep, For yeah. me, he said, Hey, can we talk? We got a pro, we got many problems.
0: And,
1: never <laughs> never and then, uh, One final thing we should really tell people is really don't get discouraged. Like, it is, like, a really hard place. Like, it's really hard to win a sports betting. But don't really get discouraged because you can have a losing week, a losing month, even a losing three months. Like, every sports bettor goes through these type of ups and downs. Uh, Sometimes it's very stressful. Don't let it get to you. Um, If you really think that you you have an edge and you back tested it and you really think that over the long run you will win, you know, just uh, try to manage your money correctly. You know, I've seen way too many smart people go broke because they don't know what a bankroll is Um, and just let it ride because it it takes many, many bets, thousands of bets to get the luck out of the results
2: mm-hmm. or the bad luck. Well, I, I think too the scary thing is the people that think they have an edge, and this is a lot of people obviously, and they don't have an edge, but they're convinced they do for for X, Y, and Z. This, this is the this is the the people I want to save. So if they listen to the betting strategy and, and hear us every week, I really think we could save them where they where they figure out where their leaks are at. and 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 optimize their betting or we can we
1: we can make we can make a podcast where people can maybe explain to us their edge without being vague and maybe we can maybe we can tell them oh we think you might have something or not might have something that could be like a whole episode
2: well that's actually a good idea people that's actually a really good idea plus we could actually learn something on that too they could let, let something out and we go, oh, wow, I never thought of that. Right. Yeah. That would be fun. Okay, James, get that going. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you would.
0: But... All right. Yeah. The All last, right. Uh, well, the la- I do have one more topic. If you want to talk about it, we can save it for another uh, episode. No, let's,
1: let's go. We're here. Uh,
0: uh, uh, was hedging. Uh, we've had a lot of questions about hedging. And you know, I, I I get. Yelled at a lot of times for not hedging. So I kind of want to get your you guys' take on hedging, like like on on a future bet or, you know, uh, w- however you might do it. So um,
1: I I think uh, me and uh, Dave's answer might be different, but I think edging is bad unless that money is life changing or unless you really need the growth of your bankroll. If I have a winning like a good winning ticket for a future, like who will win? I don't know whatever the NFL championship and my team is going into the Super Bowl uh and I have I don't know 10 to 1 or 9 to 1 or whatever it is um the only way I would bet the other team is if I thought if I thought that there was value there because you're paying vig a second time for for a bet that you in my opinion you already won because it was 10 to 1 and now you know your team is 2 to 1 Yes, of course, you might lose that bet. But in my mind, you've already won that bet. Of course, the money is not in your pocket, but that's kind of how I view it. There's many times I'm betting live and I'll bet minus nine in play. And then 20 minutes later, the line will be minus 17. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I already won the minus nine bet. I'm not going to bet plus 17. It's just, of course, I can still lose the minus nine. But
2: uh, kind of that's the way I look at it. Right. no every but. every every bet you must really think I'm low end to say we'll have different <laughs> answers but anyway every bet needs <laughs> to have a i have some ev in my mind or okay. you or yeah you're let's say that i don't extreme example god came down okay i'm going to give you a coin flip and if you win it you're going to get 10 million if you if you lose it you get zero you'd probably settle it at four point seven million on that one, I I don't know. I'm I'm just saying there would be times to surrender some of, of the value. Of, I guess, of course, yeah. of course. Like if you were in the circ, like the circus survivor is
1: six million dollars and there's like two or three people left,
2: you know, six million
1: dollars is life changing money. Of course, you should do a little bit of edging there, but well, you can. If- well, you
2: could actually. Well, there though, you could with 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 what you're saying though. With, actually, in any type of hedge on a major event especially with places like Pinnacle and reduced juice and betfair you you can hedge with almost no takeout you can even hedge with depending on big, how much you bet with an edge big you know? free with people you can also edge with other people big free
1: if you really wanted to
2: i when get all say, of- when when you say the word hedge though and and you talk about your average person he's just taking out his one fanduel account on his phone and he's going oh i have team a they only have to win one more game and I get 15 times my money. I'm just going to pull out my fan. tool not look at the going rate or anything. And I'm going to put half of it on the other team. This is kind of, this is kind of, this is bad. But if you're, yeah. if you're a professional doing it, you have a ton of outs, you can bet big free basically with, with all your outs or even an edge, then, then it, it, it won't really hurt you. But if you're just doing it just because you're scared to have a zero after your team, you know, beat the 16-1 to 1 and you're down to, like, plus 250. Yeah, this is bad, we think. You know? So, you like could,
0: to me, it's more bankroll-related. What if this, if you're hedging and it doubles your entire bankroll? I mean, that's the situation. Well, okay, I might want to hedge because now my bankrolls will be double.
2: Well, you <laughs> probably bet too much in the in the first place. Okay. Now you got yourself into a weird spot where you bet. Yeah, if you could double your bankroll <laughs> and, and you have big edges next season, the, you need to attack something like that. Like, the money would quadruple next year and it's a disaster to get zero then i guess i don't know we'll there's talk a lot of it. factors
0: we'll talk about the cash out buddy i've heard a lot of ups and downs about it no, that's, that's, no that's that's a terrible. lot of people yeah, put on
2: social media oh i cashed out you know what i'm saying it's like deal yeah, or a, no deal they have the edge it's like deal or no deal if you were to break it down they have the edge but it, it, I, they're I, not offering you
0: a true cash out that's what
2: you're saying
1: in, in no in that spot they're actually offering you more Wait. there's more vig on that line than yep. they normally would be in a normal bet it's actually twice as bad it's, well, it's, it's it, better I,
2: it's, yeah it's even but, more it's, it's awful usually it's usually really it, bad those cash outs
1: like most of the times it's better for you to bet in play like the other side and to actually hit that cash up button
2: well when some guys got like 1.8 hanging over and they go hey we'll give you 530 and break even is like they should give you like 660 Mm -hmm. the problem is most guys don't have like you know whatever it is like half a million to go out and bet the other side on their own they don't have the outs so it's kind of like they're they're desperate so they only have the one option is to. and and so the book kind of preys on that not praise on it but they're running a business at the end of the day, and they want you to hit cash out usually in those spots because they're giving you a shitty price. That's how I look at it.
1: Yeah. If you can never hit the cash route button, please don't do it.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: that's I right. Had, uh, last year, just for example, I had a future bet on the Georgia to win the national championship parlayed with the uh, St. Louis Rams, right? Los Angeles, yeah. I'm sorry, Los Angeles Rams. It was around a thousand to win, like a hundred and fifty thousand or so, and the cash out was around seventy, I think, or something like that. And well, we had to figure it figured out. whether well, they were offering me twenty thousand less. I won't say the sports, yep. the normal, but yeah.
2: So and good did good hit it? to do oh, that, yeah,
0: I did not hedge. Yeah, oh yeah, the, the Rams and the and Georgia won last year. So <laughs> there's other opportunities no too. Like I had the Phillies forty to one this year to win this, the World Series didn't hedge Had Ohio state to win a hundred thousand to win the, the national championship. And you see how that worked out. So didn't hedge. But do, you,
2: <laughs> but do you, but do you think that your original futures bet had, had an edge, yes or no, or you were just doing it for action?
0: Well, yeah, well <laughs> yes. Well, like, for example, the Ohio state, when they were, you know, they were in number rank number five, right. Uh-huh. They were blowing out the team. I forgot who they were playing and, who are you at you, you, USC lost or they were losing and Ohio state was blowing out the team. So if USC loses, Ohio state's going to get number four, right? And they're in the middle of the game blowing out all the books. Oh, so this
2: was an angle shoot. So
0: you, the, you kind well, of did an angle. Book, well, all the books update Ohio state four to one real quick. And this one book had 12. It didn't yeah. Happen. This is an
2: angle shoot. So it yeah. had an edge. Yeah. You, yeah, you were just, yeah. you were praying someone didn't pull their futures down or update huh? it. Right. Yeah. Correct.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Okay. So in that situation, you did everything right. Now leave it open or, or or yeah or or you should have left it open I should say yeah. and so yeah it sounds like that was done correctly. No, the speaking other, of, uh,
0: go ahead. The, of the other parlay was just 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 for fun.
2: Just for fun, but didn't but but wasn't that plus EV too? Because you, on the free bets, you're you don't get the base money back. So on free bets, everybody, you're supposed to do something that gets you like plus uh, a nice plus there. If you if you do the math, whenever you don't get the base money back, which is how a lot of the free bets work, you you want to do something plus six hundred plus seven hundred. Weren't you doing that, or you actually risked?
0: Oh no, we thousand? actually risked. We actually risked a thousand. It was just for fun. Well, I okay. thought Georgia had a good shot of winning last year because of the just from just being kind of a local guy that really thought it. So it was just a you know a shot in the dark, just for
2: fun. Well, it's, I guess it still could have had an an edge if somebody was undervalued, but. Usually the futures are, there's no futures and futures, but but if somebody was undervalued or, or somebody was really slacking on one of the prices or, or both a little bit, I mean, it could, did you see what the other books were offering too on that exact? No,
0: no, 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 did not. Just for it, fun, man. Just for fun. Just like playing craps, just for fun. <laughs> so oh, I've just, seen him at
1: the, I've seen at the craps table. He loves man. all those. Edna. all those weird numbers that yeah. i don't even know what they do in the middle of the board
0: just for fun man just to have it <laughs> he loves
1: a lot of cash out buns in the craps table
0: <laughs> <Yes. laughs>
1: yeah so w- one thing i do want to say about futures like the just to be pretty high for you to bet them because most people don't have a big bankroll and your money gets tied up for many many weeks so just be careful with futures uh another thing to be careful with when you're betting futures on credit with like local bookies like there's a possibility you get you get cut before you actually get paid yep. so be, be careful with those uh, in, that, in
2: those spots as well yeah I,
0: I've, I've been
2: there. Disaster D- tying your money up that long is a disaster even if you had a big edge it probably would make sense to do it depending on what your current hustles are like if you have something real good that that you could just roll that money over like 30 times before that would have been settled up. Yeah. It becomes a total. Yeah. I bet zero
1: futures, but maybe for some people who are just, you know, recreationals or they're small losers, maybe future is the way to go because they lose at a lower rate. But, uh, but yeah, just be careful with futures
2: because they do take a long time to settle. Yeah. We don't want our people losing at a lower rate. We want to maximizing their wins. So yeah, guys, don't, don't, (laughs) Don't, don't bet any of your, your team think or a lock. Or, Cause the, it's usually an illusion. You go, Oh, they're going to win it all and for sure. And I'm getting nine to one. And usually you're just, it's an illusion. You usually. Yeah. So stay away from those. Look for the small market stuff. That's, 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 that's it. That's what you should do.
0: Uh, this was episode two and next week we'll be back around the same time with episode three. I appreciate David and Ant being on. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to the Avoid the
2: the Trap trap podcast. If you'd like more betting tips or want to learn how you can partner with us, go to our website, www.avoidthetrap.com.
0: Until next time, remember, to the victor, belong the spoils.